Spirit, we still ourselves in your presence right now. We're not going to rush from here. Come and have your way with us right now. Every heart, every man, every woman, every child, every family, every marriage, come and have your way. We just pause right now in the presence of our King and ask for your Holy Spirit. Search us, try us, know us, convict us, refresh us, strengthen us, set our hearts on you as our first love. You are the king over this church. What you say goes, how you say it goes. So bring us in line with your heart today. Whatever things have happened this week, Whatever anxiousness or fear or worry or doubt comes into this place today, I pray it would be absolutely crushed in the presence of Almighty God. And there would be freedom. There would be joy. There would be healing. There would be unity. There would be power. There would be grace. There would be freedom. And you would show us your glory. And if we're not there to want that yet, bring us there. Bring us to that place. We can't do it on our own. Help us, Lord. Will you help us, please? Be with my mouth right now. I pray for your understanding, your unction, and your utterance today. Guard my mouth from error. Say what you want to say to your church. And I pray that we collectively, as a body, and individually, would humble ourselves under your word and say, what would you say to me, Lord? And would not reject it. Come, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Harvest, it is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord with you all again this week. Isn't our Lord so kind to give us another Sunday? Amen. Let's not take it for granted, okay, that we get to come together as a family in this place today. Well, right now we are continuing in our series on the book of Acts called The Foundations of the Church. And and the title of this morning's message is this, The Power in the Church. The Power in the Church, the Holy Spirit. This, everything we've been Looking at from Acts chapter 1 thus far is leading us to this moment right here. This is the one of the most climactic moments in the history of the church. Now remember, you just make sure we're on the same page. And I hope we're, we're getting this definition clearly and we're getting it on our hearts. Because we need to remember this, the church. What is the church? Greek word ecclesia. What does that mean? The assembly of Christian believers. Not a building not a place, the assembly. There are many, I was struck with this this week, researching this message, there are literally millions of our brothers and sisters meeting around the world with no building. They're meeting in fields. They're meeting underground. They have no building. So the church cannot be the building. 
an assembly of Christian believers through which God has promised, look at this amazing promise, to advance his kingdom as they proclaim his word and seek his presence with increasing, not just, okay, we've arrived now, but increasing purity, passion, and power for his glory. Those are three big Ps, okay? Write those ones down if you have not yet. Increasing purity, passion, and power for his glory. If I could sum that definition up, let's make it in one pithy statement, it would be this. The church is the people of God living on mission for God. The people of God living on mission for God. And so far we've looked in chapter 1 on what is God's mission for the church to be witnesses. We looked at that last week, the Greek word martis for our faith. And we looked at the promise that he gave us sending the Holy Spirit to help fulfill that mission through us as he works in us. Now today and next week buckle up, loved ones, get your pens ready. Buckle up. Because we're looking at the fulfillment of that promise, the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And this all happened in one day. These next two weeks, remember this, they all happened in one day. Okay? Don't forget that. (laughs) And we have to realize this. I was so giddy in prep this week in that library. People were looking at me like I was nuts. I didn't care. It's okay. It's okay. Here's the reason. This is one of the greatest and most important days in the history of the church. No question. Most important day that has happened and one of the most important days that will happen. In the history of the church, it signified the inauguration of God's new blessing of power and presence into his church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you say, why is this important? Why is the sending of the Holy Spirit, why has everything been promised to this point? Jesus talked about it, the Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Holy Spirit being poured out. Why is this so important? Here's why. Here's why. Look at what John Stott puts this this way. He says, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable. You know what that means? Unthinkable. There's no discipleship without the Holy Spirit. We are a social club. There's no discipleship, even impossible to do. There can be no life without the life giver. No understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit. No effective witness, that's sobering, without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. You don't think Pentecost is a big deal? It's a real big deal. If I could sum all of that up, I'd say this. No spirit, no church. No spirit, no church. Big day. But there's a problem. But there's a problem. One of, if not the greatest moments in the church has also become one of the most divisive moments for the church. Think about it. The enemy is not stupid. You think there's a reason for that? Let me say it again. The issue is this. One of, if not the greatest moments in the church has also become one of the most divisive moments for the church. Instead of rejoicing in the work of the Holy Spirit, we so often will reject one another over the person and work of the Spirit. 
You know, it's going on all over the place. You don't have to look very far. Instead of using it to bring unity in the church as God intends and power in the church to see his kingdom advanced, we often allow it to bring discord in the church and that grieves the heart of God and it should grieve ours as well. And loved ones, we've got a lot of people here and, and by the grace of God, so many new faces. I, just, I don't know uh, where all of you are coming from in your backgrounds for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But I will exhort us to humility and teachability today. And with humble and teachable hearts, let's tune in this morning because we will see two crucial truths we must embrace if we are to be a church empowered by the Spirit and faithfully engage the mission that he's entrusted to us. Amen? Amen. You ready to go? Let's go. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word and read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Oh, and if you do not have a Bible, thank you, ushers. Oh, so faithful. Love you guys. If you do not have a Bible, put your hand up. Our usher's coming right now. We're going to put one in your hand. Okay, nice and high. Put your hand up nice and high. And if you do not have a Bible at home, keep that one as a free gift for us so you can continue to study God's word on your own. Thanks, ushers. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that is those Gentile converts who, who converted to Judaism, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Hear the word of the Lord. First truth we must embrace, loved ones, is this. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church to empower God's people. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church to empower God's people. The truth is, we must be filled with him. No presence, no power. We must be filled with him. Look at verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a, pictured this, loved ones, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Just put yourself in the text. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Well, let's get some context. Let's bring us up to speed because we moved ahead a bit from the last part of chapter 1. In the last part of chapter 1, after Christ had ascended to heaven, the disciples have now sought the Lord for the new apostle Matthias, who would replace Judas after his betrayal and subsequent death. All right, that's the last part of chapter 1. So they've been gathered together. Acts chapter 113 tells us they are gathered together in the upper room. And they casted lots to choose who the next apostle would be, the 12th apostle to replace Judas. So that's what's happened. So they're all together. We clear? We clear? Everyone say, I'm with you. All right, perfect. Love it. All right? So they've chosen that. Now, look at that word Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost, let's get clear on what this is. The word Pentecost in the Greek means 50th. Penta. Right? Right? Pentecost means 50th. This is a one-day festival that took place 50 days after the Passover. Now, in this case, specifically, it was 50 days, no coincidence, after Jesus Christ was crucified. Passover lamb. And so here's Pentecost, 50 days later. It is the second of three great Jewish feasts that are celebrated throughout every year. It is a pilgrimage festival where Jews from all over the nation of Israel and from around the world would come to Jerusalem to celebrate, get this, ready? I love how the Lord just puts everything in its place. To celebrate the first fruits gathered from the spring barley harvest. We'll see why that's significant in just a little bit. The first fruits gathered from the spring barley harvest. The Jewish people would worship in grateful recognition of the Lord's provision of the harvest for them. This is why Pentecost is no question called the Feast of Harvest. Now think about that with what we're about to see. The Feast of Harvest. That's going to be important. Now look at verse 1 where it says they were all in one place. As I mentioned, the disciples were gathered in the upper room. Now, let's live in the text. You want to live in the text as much as you can, okay? Check out these pictures. So, that is a picture of the outside of the upper room. When I used to live in Jerusalem, this was such a, such a nostalgic moment coming to this place. Just outside of the temple courtyard. That's the outside picture of the upper room. You go up those stairs. There's the inside. This is where everything's going on right now. Just put yourself there. Just think about it if you're there. Leave that picture up there, okay, team? That's going to be significant. They're in the upper room. Acts 1.13 tells us that with all the other followers of Christ. So it's not just the 12 disciples. They're actually, Acts 1.13 says, there's about 120 disciples in one place. 120 followers of Jesus Christ in this room. Crowded in this room. This was the same place, by the way, that Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. Right here. That's amazing. Just amazing. And they're waiting. They're gathered in here waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Christ promised he would give them a number of times. But most recently, in Acts chapter 1-8... When he said this, but you will receive power. Remember from last week? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, let's go back to that for a second, team. Go back to that last picture. Think about what you're looking at here. All eyes up front. Think about what you're looking at. In this room... The birth of the church happened. Right there. 
You and I are here today because of what happened in this room. Now, the room's not holy. We're not elevating the room. But this is the place where that started. The church was birthed. The church that would spread across the entire world to every tribe, tongue, and nation through the work of the Holy Spirit through 120 people, less people than are in this building right now. How awesome is our God? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Amen? Who can stop the Lord? Takes 120 people huddled in a room, fearing for their lives, and builds the church. Think about this. Like, just think about this. There are more than 120 people here today. And the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. There's not some biblical times Holy Spirit and then uh, 21st century Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, the same power, when the same desire to advance his kingdom is at work today. And my question is, as you look at that and as you look around here, my question is, what could he do right here? What could he do right here? If we pressed into him, think about that for a moment. What could he do? More than we could ask for or imagine. And as the disciples are waiting in this room, they're waiting here and they're wondering what will happen because they didn't know how the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. You got to remember, these guys were just kind of sitting. Jesus told us to wait here. We're just crouched in this little room. Banking on him to fulfill his promise. They didn't know how that was going to be fulfilled. They're wondering, what's that going to be like? What will happen when God shows up? And then God shows up. Keep that up there. Verse 2 says, look at verse 2. It says this, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Here's the first thing that God does to show up. The word there for rushing, the Greek word is strong or violent speed or force. It's not God just giving this little gentle breeze to the people. It's a violent force that fills the entire house. Power. God shows up. But he doesn't stop there. Keep going. Verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Okay, the Greek word for tongues there is glossa. Glossa means this, language or nation. Greek word for tongues, glossa, language or nation, an actual human language used by a particular people in distinction from other language. An actual language used by a particular people in distinction from other languages. After the wind filled the house, tongues that had the appearance of fire, the appearance of fire came down and rested on each person individually. That is significant. The Holy Spirit doesn't include any words in Scripture that shouldn't be there. He's drawing our attention to something. Why divided? Why divided tongues of fire? Because he is giving a language specifically and uniquely to each person to do the work he's calling them to do. Divided tongues of fire. He's giving it uniquely. And then we see how he gives. And you look at 1 Corinthians 12. You look at 1 Corinthians 14 where he says he gives the gifts of the Spirit to whom he wills. Okay? Uniquely. That's significant. But notice this. Keep reading. Divided tongues as a fire appear to them and rested on each one of them. Why the significance of each? Because here's what it shows. 
the Holy Spirit is for all believers. It's not just for spiritually elite people. I wouldn't have them otherwise. It's for every believer. Every single person who has repented of their sin and confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior alone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. So now we look at this fire business. What is tongues of fire? Try to picture that. These are tongues of fire right here. In the Old Testament... Fire always symbolizes God's three Ps. Ready? Here's the symbolism of fire. Purity. God's holiness. First symbol of fire in the Old Testament. Purity. Holiness. Second P. Power. God's power. So we've got purity. We've got power. What's the third P? Anyone? Presence. His presence with his people. Whenever you see fire used in the Old Testament, it is signifying that. Purity power, and presence. The Holy Spirit is referred to as being like a holy fire all throughout Scripture. All throughout. A holy fire that is giving the disciples here the purity and power of divine speech and is filling them with the presence of God. There's one word that I use to sum all that up. Ready? And it's this. Awesome. I mean, what else can you say? Awesome. Let's not skip over that because some of us think it's uncomfortable. That is awesome. And that is the power of God equipping the people of God for the service of God, for the glory of God. Awesome. Now look, verse four, keep going, I love it. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means this. The Greek means to fill to the max, one's limit. Filling to the max, one's limit. It's the picture of where Jesus said last week, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. It's the picture of immersion. Just as we see baptism by immersion, going under the water and back up, Jesus is like, you are now being immersed in the life of the Holy Spirit. You're not just being sprinkled with him, giving a little part. You're being immersed. That's the beautiful symbolism of baptism. You're being filled to one's limit with the power to speak actual languages of different people groups that they could not speak before. Remember, these were not, and we'll see all throughout the text, these were not ecstatic utterances that people couldn't understand. They were filled with languages that we'll see in a moment people from every tribe, tongue, and nation heard and understood. Love that. So let's clarify because there's been so much confusion about this doctrine right here, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we can't go into every single thing because I don't want to go beyond the bounds of the text. But Lord willing, as we keep continuing to walk through Scripture, this will become clearer and clearer. But we're going to stick to what this text is focusing on. But I want to focus on one thing from it first. Let's clarify some confusion. What is happening to the believers here in Acts 2, as they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, is descriptive, not prescriptive. It is descriptive, it's not prescriptive. What do you mean by that? Glad you asked. It is describing how they receive the Holy Spirit, but it is not giving the prescription for the manner or evidence in which he is received now each time 
today. For example, when is the last time someone was saved in Jesus Christ and you saw tongues of fire coming down? Just saying. I haven't seen it. Anyone? It's descriptive. It is not prescriptive. And another thing that we have to be absolutely crystal clear on is this. Someone can be saved, a person can be saved in Jesus Christ and not have the gift of tongues. Say, you got something to back that up? You bet I do. 1 Corinthians 12.30. Just read 1 Corinthians 12. You'll see it mentioned probably three times. So just because someone can't speak or hasn't been given by the Holy Spirit who allots gifts to each person, he says, Do, are all apostles, are all prophets, do all speak in tongues? No. So just because you may not have the gift of tongues doesn't mean you're not saved. Were we clear? That's good news. It's prescriptive. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. What we have to remember, loved ones, and this is where reading scripture in context is so important. It is so important. Why? Because what is the context? Recall, loved ones, that the apostles were living in the time of transition, transition between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. Okay? We have to understand the context. Context is key. They are living in the time of transition between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And this was the first time the Holy Spirit was being poured out to the Jews. You understand? It's the first time this is happening. And tongues would happen again as the Spirit was poured out for the first time to the Gentiles in Acts 10. Again, it's to transition. It's the transition period. We aren't in the transition period anymore. We are in the new covenant. Are we clear? We clear? Loved ones? It's so important we track on this. It was that transition from the old to the new covenant. And this moment symbolized right here the Spirit's coming in a new and powerful way. And although the Spirit was at work, I get he was at work all through all the Old Testament. Just look at Genesis 1-2 and you'll see the start of his work. Spirit hovering over the waters. Yes, he was at work in the Old Testament. This was the first time that he's being poured out. In the lives, the seal for believers. This was the inauguration or the first fruits of the new covenant age that was prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. Just look at Joel 2.28. I'll pour out my spirit. We'll look at that next week. Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And we're still in this new covenant today and will be until Christ returns. All right? And I just want to make a brief mention of this in speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about this. And I just, again, want to make clear, because you might be there, yeah, but what about, what about? Listen, we're not going beyond the bounds of the text, but I will say this. There are tongues that God gives to some as a private prayer language, as 1 Corinthians 14 talks about. Okay? Do all have that? Do all have? They have not ceased. He does give them. But, but again, it's a private prayer language between them and the Lord. And we get into interpreters and all of that. And Lord willing, we'll have clarity on that as we continue to move forward. But right now, what we have to understand is that we're speaking of a transitional period and this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Okay? 
And now that the Spirit has come and the new the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, New Covenant is over, we are giving we are given or baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment of our conversion. The moment we repent of our sin and confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are given all of the Holy Spirit. He is the seal. He is the guarantee of our salvation. We are given him all. The moment of salvation. There is no second baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not like, okay, you're saved. Now, in order to receive the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No. And you say, you got something to back that up? Yes. Yes, I do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. You'll see it on the screen. Verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you want to keep going on that, look at 1 Corinthians 12.30. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay? New covenant. However, however, as crucial as that is to understand, and it is crucial to understand, I don't want that in any way to minimize or take away from how awesome this moment is right here. Satan does a great job enough of that on his own. The greatest gift to the church ever given. Let's use it to divide the church. Man. Power. What is he giving? Remember from last week, the Greek word for power is dunamis, which means a force, might, miraculous power, miraculous ability, energy, and marvelous works. There's the power that's coming into the disciples right now. To, to live out as witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now put yourself, just live in this text for a moment, loved ones. Put yourself in the disciples' place. How would you feel in this moment? You had no idea what was coming, other than Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. You had no idea what was coming. How would you feel? You are an uneducated, ordinary person from one of the most rural and quote-unquote outcast areas in all of Israel. Galilee was looked upon as redneck central. Seriously. Nobody wanted to go to Galilee. In fact, even one of Jesus' own guys talking to Jesus, he goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Where was Nazareth? Galilee. These guys were known as hicks. They weren't spiritually elite. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors in some of the most rugged, untouched, don't want to go there, maybe if you paid me, places. Uneducated, ordinary men and women. And then in an instant, in an instant, loved ones, this happens. In an instant, you are filled with supernatural power and presence of Almighty God. Oh, and if that's not enough, now you're speaking fluently in a language you didn't know 30 seconds ago. Like, Rosetta Stone, like, to the max. Seriously, you're speaking a language you didn't know 30 seconds ago in an instant. Awesome. Awesome. 
You are literally being filled with the Spirit of God and having the power and ability of God to perform in speaking his words, doing his deeds as his witnesses. And let me remind you, loved ones, Acts is a historical narrative. You know what that means? This actually happened. This is not some fable. This is not a work of fiction. This actually happened. Can you put that picture of that room back up, Becky, please? It happened in this room for God's glory. Actually. In an instant. And here's the greatest news. His power is still available for us today. It hasn't changed. Do you believe that? Because your answer to that question determines almost absolutely everything about how you press into the Lord and what he's called you to do. Do you believe that his power hasn't changed? And if you are a true Christian, I'm not talking about people who say they're Christians and aren't, who don't live out by the power of the Spirit, increasingly the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. If you are a true Christian, you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God yourself. But the question is this, are you being filled with it? What? You've been given it, but are you being filled with it? Because here's, here's why I say this. Because as we look at our lives individually, I'm preaching to myself right now. As we look at our lives individually and we look at most churches today, we see this truth. God's power hasn't changed. Only our contentment to live without accessing it has. God's power hasn't changed. Only our contentment to live without it has. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? We have church buildings. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? We've got electric guitars and lights. That's going to draw a crowd, right? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? We've got cool lanyards for our welcome ministry. Why do we need that? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? I've got enough money in my bank account. I'm good. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? I've got the job I want. I'm good. We're so content to live without it. And it's still available to us today. And even though we receive all of the Holy Spirit at the moment of our salvation, we must continually be filled by him for his power to be at work in us. You're like, that's a big statement. You got something to say on that? Yes. I don't have anything to say, but I will tell you this. The Holy Spirit has something to say about that. Let's look at Ephesians 5.18. You'll see it on the screen. And do not get drunk, Paul says, with wine, for that is debauchery. Here it is. But be filled with the Spirit. The word be filled there means this. The Greek is this. Be being filled. That's what it means. Be continually filled with the Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit. He's the seal of your salvation. The guarantee of your salvation. But we are exhorted by God to continually be filled or be being filled continually. That's a verb. That's an action. If I could sum up this, you'd say it this way. You have one baptism in the Spirit and you have many fillings of the Spirit. One baptism Many fillings ongoing for the work of the ministry, for the work of witnessing, living out the Great Commission. 
One baptism, many fillings. The word in Ephesians 5.18 is the picture of the wind filling. I love this. I love how the Holy Spirit does this. It's the picture of the wind filling the sails of a ship. Look at that. There it is. The sails of a sailboat. No wind, no power. And you say, well, what if I have a sailboat with a motor? Uh, really? You're going to go there? Really? 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 Oh, dear. All right. Well, let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. Go to the next picture. How about this? Windsurfing. Try that. Okay? No wind, no power. You ever tried to windsurf without the wind? Where are you going? You're just getting tossed. Whatever way the current's going to go, that's where you're going. However you're feeling in that moment, loved ones, that's where you're going to go. Without the power of the Holy Spirit. Feelings are horrible leaders. They are great followers. It's time to get the sails up, Paul's saying here. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. No power, but when the sails go up, oh, look at this guy. When the sails go up and the wind gets a hold of that, game on. Exhilarating. Rush. The whole, hang on, man, hang on. Because that wind is blowing. That's the picture of Ephesians 5.18. Is that, Chuck Swindoll said this, it is the most, one of, if not the most important verse in all of the New Testament. Be filled with the Spirit. There's the outcome. Be filled with the Spirit. So let me ask you a question, loved ones. Are you being filled with the Spirit? Are you? Am I? If you're a true Christian here and have genuinely repented of your sin and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been given all of the Holy Spirit. But the question that must be answered today, loved ones, is this. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? You have all of him, but does he have all of you? Think. You have all of him, guaranteed, seal. But does he have all of you? Are you being filled with him? And some of you may say, well, how can I be filled? I mean, I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling flat. Like, why am I not just having any momentum? What is this? This dude on here, I'm like the guy who wiped out and is lying on the wave right now. That was me. But I'm feeling flat. I'm feeling dry. I just feel just indifferent, just passive to the things of God, passive to the things of the church. I just, uh, it's kind of okay. I'm feeling flat, feeling dry, feeling apathetic. How am I filled with this? Hey, I want to say this before we go into these next four ways. We're filled with the Spirit. I want to say this. I truly believe 100% that God wants so much more for you than where you're at right now. 100%. Not in some prosperity gospel kind of way, but in an intimacy with your Father and to see His power at work in and through you to bring glory to his name, through his church. I firmly, 100%. And you say, how can that happen? I'm not feeling it. Four ways we're filled by the Spirit ongoing. Get your pens ready. Here we go. Through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says this. In him, who's that? Jesus. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, this is the word of truth being proclaimed to you today, loved ones. And if you're here and are not a follower of Jesus Christ and have repented of your sin, confessed him as your Lord and Savior, believing that he came to earth as fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, 
so that we may have new life in him. We may live in his power and have freedom from sin and be forgiven. If we have not made that decision, loved ones, hear this. You are hearing proclaimed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved than the name of Jesus. Don't harden your heart right now in this moment. Don't, 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 don't do it. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, Hebrews says. You, you're not here by accident. Today, look at this, gospel of your salvation and believed in him. There's the choice. Will you make the choice to believe in him? You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You were sealed. No presence, no power. There is one way to have forgiveness of sin. One way to have eternal life. One way for the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is through Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Amen. No other way. No presence, no power. We can't do this on our own strength. We can't earn our way to heaven on our own. If I'm just good enough, if I just do this. Even Christians, we fall into this all the time. Like, i got to strive on my own strength, my own strength. And then you end up weary and worn out. He's like, come to me, you who are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my power, my yoke upon you. All right, through Jesus Christ, have you made that decision today? Secondly, through Scripture. How are we filled by the Holy Spirit? Through Scripture. Look at Romans 8, 5 to 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, things of this world, the money, the power, the opportunities, the lust. They set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Hey, 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 anyone would, would anyone here like some peace this morning? It's there. It's there. And you say, well, how does Scripture, listen, to be filled with the Spirit, you must have the mind of the Spirit. He wrote the book. Don't believe me? 2 Peter 1.21 will tell you that. Men spoke as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. They wrote. It's his book. He wrote it. He renews our minds with it. So we want to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to get as much of him in as possible. How's your God time, loved ones? Say, I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling flat. This is 99% of it. How's your God time? Are you consistent? Is it just kind of a passing thing if I get around to it today? I got a st- students. Hey, I was in the library this week. I know there's a lot of you studying. I got to study. I got to do this. Got to do great. Hey, how's your God time? Are your sales up? You want to be carried by the Spirit? Filled with the Spirit? He wrote the book. Little time, this hit this morning. Little time in God's word means little resemblance of God's son. And Jesus Christ was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for his ministry. I think you and I need to be too. Little time in the word means little resemblance of God's son. Okay. Four ways we're filled by the Spirit. Number one, through Jesus Christ. Number two, through Scripture. Here it is, number three, through obedience. Through obedience. Look at Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. There it is. Walk by the Spirit and you will not 
gratify the desires of the flesh. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Here it is. Humble yourself in faith under God's word. God before me. His agenda before mine. Walk by the Spirit. His agenda, not mine. Humble myself. Humility. Hey, that sounds a lot like the Beatitudes. Yeah, it's because they're uh, pretty much all connected. Humility under God's word. Right now, as God is speaking to you through his word, as the Holy Spirit is stirring a conviction in your heart, you have a choice right now. You want to be filled with the Spirit? If there's areas of your life he's revealing, you want to repent of that quickly? Or are we going to shun it? Go our own agenda. Go our own way. Walk by the Spirit. Humble ourselves under the authority of God's word. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers. Lastly is this, four ways we're filled by spirit. And you notice these things, you notice these things, let me just say this before the last one. You notice these things, there's nothing new here, loved ones. There's nothing new. Jesus Christ hasn't said, okay, I'm going to do this for the 21st century, and I'll change things up. It's the same. It's the same tools, and we need that. Four ways we're filled by the spirit through Jesus Christ, through scripture, through obedience, and here it is, through prayer. Through prayer. Hey, prayer night, April 25th. Wednesday, 7.30 to 9, we're filled through prayer. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. Prayer of repentance, two parts of prayer. Repentance and request. We're going to deal with repentance right now. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. What's prophecies? Do not despise the word of God. Don't shun it. Don't ignore it. When you're counseled in it, don't deny it. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. In God's word, hold fast to what is good, and look at this, abstain from every form of evil. Yeah, but it's just a little compromise, every form of evil. Yeah, but it's just going over the speed limit for like 10 kilometers, every form of evil. Breaking laws is evil. Let's just call it what it is. Ouch. Abstain. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Have the mind of the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And here it is, repent. Repentance and prayer. Confess all known sin. There it is. Confess all known sin. Why? Because sin quenches the Holy Spirit in our lives. Confess the sin. Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. And test my anxious thoughts. Where am I not obeying you? Where am I not humbling myself under you? Humility will lead to repentance. Repentance leads to comfort, not condemnation, loved ones. Always. Confess and repent of all known sin. As the Spirit brings it up. So we've got, through prayer, first off, repentance, and then request. Luke eleven thirteen. Love this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, look at, that, look at the emphasis here, Jesus says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Repent, confess, turn away, and ask. Lord, will you give me the Holy Spirit? We were just in leader's prayer before the service. We were praying this exact verse. Lord, give us your Holy Spirit today. And he says, yes. So many of us jump to the request before repentance. And then we wonder why. Why am I not feeling it? I'm not walking in the power. Why am I still uh, discouraged by why? You don't get to request without repentance. God's after your heart. Let's go after the heart of God, not just the hand of God, okay? Loved ones, yes, 
repentance. Prayer is the gateway to being positioned to receive God's power. You'll see that on the screen. Prayer is the gateway to being positioned to receive God's power through the Spirit. Question, are you a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have all the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of you? That was a very sobering word for me this week. Lots of repentance going on in many areas. Where do you need to submit to him in repentance of sin and humble yourself under him today? Just look at that right there. Start there. It doesn't get more complicated than that. Where is that for you today? Look at this. Don't wait. Don't wait. Right now, where are you sitting? See, the Holy Spirit's been given to the church to empower God's people. We must be filled with him. And with that, we close with this point. With that, we see the Holy Spirit's been given to the church to build God's kingdom. Look at this, verse 5 to 11. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of, listen to this, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, own languages, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Imagine the scene there. The chaos going on right there. But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. They are filled with new wine. See, once the disciples have received the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak out so loud in that spirit that devout, the word devout there means God-fearing men. The externally, uh, the externally submissive, not nothing about the heart, but externally submissive actions to want to honor the Lord. The spiritually elite men who had gathered at the temple for worship from all over Israel and other nations. They could hear them and were thrown into confusion. That's the bewilderment in verse 6. Because they were hearing the mighty works of God proclaimed in their own languages. And again, loved ones, again, beautiful scene. Again, we see here that the tongues the disciples were speaking in were actual languages and not just ecstatic utterances that no one could understand. Verse 6, verse 8, verse 11. And what was even more bewildering, church, for these devout men was that they knew the disciples were Galileans. Remember? Uneducated, rustic hicks. Speaking fluently from the outer rim in Israel Speak in this language. That gives me hope. Does it give you hope today? That gives me hope that God can actually use me. Yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were proclaiming the mighty works of God from the Old Testament scriptures in declaring how God had acted on behalf of the nation of Israel in the past. Sum it up, they had become his witnesses. His witnesses. And this is why it was totally perplexing and unexplainable for these devout men, so much so that some of them began mocking the disciples, saying they're drunk with new wine. The, the wine, if you're going to get inebriated, that's what you're going after, the fresh wine, not the stale stuff. Imagine the scene going on right here. Don't miss this. For the first time in history, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through his people, was taking the gospel global. 
He's taking the gospel global and making a powerful declaration that the gospel is for the nations. Do you believe that today? The gospel is for the nations. I love how John Stott puts this. You'll see it on the screen. It's symbolized right here, this moment, a new unity in the spirit, transcending racial, national, and linguistic barriers. Nothing could have demonstrated more clearly than this, the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. Awesome. Awesome. Loved ones, loved ones. Is our world not in a dire need to see this lived out in the church today? Is it? Would you agree with me on that? Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Man will often use race to divide his kingdom, but God will always use race to unite and advance his kingdom for his glory. Amen? Man will often use it to divide. God will always use it to unite and to advance. Just let that sit there for a minute. You don't think this? You don't think God's word speaks to today? You don't think it's relevant for today? And so where? Where is this advancing? Look at this map. I just love this. I was so rocked out by this today. Okay? Here it is. These are all the languages represented in these two verses. Okay, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites. What is that? Modern day Iran. Mesopotamia, that's Babylon, modern day Iraq. Judea, that's all the nation of Israel and into Syria. I love how God's gospel is both local and global. Local and global. And I love this. Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Where's that? Modern day Turkey. Modern day Turkey. Egypt and Libya, North Africa. Look at this. Look what's happening in this moment. North Africa, Rome. That's Italy, extending all the way to Rome. Cretans, that's modern, modern day Crete. I've been there. It's this little island in the Mediterranean. Arabians near Damascus in Syria. Awesome. Are you in awe right now? of the power of God in an instant, he just took the gospel to the nations. And he can still do the same today. The question is, will you and I be filled with the spirit to pursue him in what he's calling us to do? To see it happen. I love how as you look at that map, hear this glorious truth from to- commentator Tony Morita. He said this, Pentecost is a little foretaste of the global multitude that will one day unite in praise to the Lamb and gives us a foretaste of heaven's culture of God-given unity among beautiful diversity. God-given unity among beautiful diversity. Hey, church, as we close out, will you stand with me right now? Let's all stand. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation declaring this. This is a line in the sand moment, and we're going to get a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like for us right now. 
Let's get used to saying this because it's going to go on for a long time at the feet of Jesus Christ. Let's say this together. Will you say this with me? Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 and 5. Let's do it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. Yes. And ever and all God's people said, that is a glimpse of eternity, loved ones. The Holy Spirit Church has been given to us to empower God's people and to build God's kingdom here and around the world. And as we stand here together, this little outpost of Harvest Bible Chapel, Ottawa, the questions facing us are this, will you, will we engage in this mission with him? Will we to see every tribe, tongue, and nation declaring what we just declared? Will we be a church committed to being filled with his spirit and living on God's agenda and not our own? Pressing in by his spirit, loved ones, for his glory as witnesses to the nations that are on our doorstep. On our doorstep right now. If your answer to that question is yes, then I ask you to take your next step. What is that, you may say? What, what does that look like practically? Let's make it very clear. Getting plugged in with what God is doing in his church here to reach the nations. That's the next step. That's the exhortation. Getting plugged in, making disciples each other, with our children, with one another, in our small groups, on our service teams, in our outreaches. Take a service application. Sign up for Harvest Essentials and party with the pastors. Just take your next step to serving alongside your brothers and sisters from every age, race, ethnicity. Is this, loved ones, not the picture the world needs to see? The purpose for which God poured out his spirit. Loved ones, loved ones, look around you. God is growing his church. He is growing his church. And we have, over the last year, seen this come into fruition and gain momentum. And the needs are only increasing. These are great needs to have, by the way. Most churches don't have these needs. But we are seeing the needs increase. And you say, well, what are the needs? Look, I contacted our, our, one of our admin for our service teams. And I said, give me the numbers for each service team that we need. Labors for the harvest to see the gospel get advanced. Here it is. Set up and tear down team. We need six more people to sign up for that and be on that team. Coming in, setting up chairs so that every tribe, tongue, and nation can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome ministry. Welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. Romans 15, 17 says, 12 people, we need greeting, ushering, parking. There it is. Harvest kids, 13 people to fill out that roster. 
to see the next generation equipped and powered by the Holy Spirit, giving their lives to the Lord to see him do even greater works than these that we have seen. Amen? Do you believe he can do that? God is looking for witnesses who will take it to them. Is that you? And you say, I don't deal with it. Listen, 90% of being faithful loved ones is showing up. It's showing up. This is God's agenda. We're with it or we're not. Will we see that? I just can't stand the fact that next week, I believe it is, we're going to close a class down because we don't have the Harvest Kids workers to teach our kids the gospel that week faithfully and legally with the ratios that are needed to do so. It just breaks my heart. Does it break yours? This is our mission, loved ones. 50 kids. Over 50 kids the Lord's entrusted to us right now. This is our watch. This is our entrustment, loved ones. And for others, if you're, and we have so many faithful servants in this church, I'm so thankful for you. Maybe for others, it's joining a small group, coming to our prayer night. Take your first step, just come to the prayer night. Or share your faith with a coworker or, or someone in your classroom and invite them to church. Be a witness for them so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's your next step? Don't wait for another program. God's people are his program. God's people are the program. He says, here's the entrustment, loved ones. The Lord is ready to move. Build your kingdom here, Lord. Amen? Is this your cry? Build your kingdom here, Lord, for this time. Lord, do this in this church. And we will have the privilege, great privilege, after we sing this last song, of having some of our summer missionaries come up right here. And they're going to stand here. And we're sending them out as a church all across the world. And they're going to be standing right here. Hannah, Brittany, and any other students that are going to be going away on a mission trip this summer, you come and you stand here. And church, let's gather around them afterwards, after we sing, after we close out, to pray for them, okay? All right, we need to do this. We're commissioning them for the greatest mission of all time. How will we respond? Let's pray. Father, your word is so clear. Your power is unlimited. And you have given us as your church every single resource we need to do the work that you are calling us to. And right now, I pray we'd not sit under some emotional compulsion, but under the sweet and loving conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, what is our next step as a church? Guide us as elders as we go into vision planning meetings next week. Guide us as elders. Guide us as individuals. What's my next step? Getting plugged in. Do I go get an application from the back? What's our next step? Guide us right now. Not condemnation, but under that sweet conviction, knowing that you will promise to bless it. And Father, as we think about how you used 120 very ordinary, very uneducated people, Lord, and you used a room filled with people that was less than the people in this building right now, God, I pray you would enlarge our vision for what you can do in this city. Enlarge our vision for what you can do across this nation and across the world. And thank you so much for the beautiful picture we will see in a few moments, God, that you will bring 
these missionaries from this church to the nations, God, to declare the glorious excellencies of him who created us and him who is worthy of all the praise. God, I pray we would be a church who is faithful to this, Lord. Would you help us, bring us there? We won't get there on our own. Help us, Lord. Just help us to make ourselves available to say, here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, use me to set up a chair teach a kid, hold a baby, shake a hand, just use me, God, for the power of your name. We would see your name rise up in our hearts and your glory in this church. Unstoppable God, build your kingdom here in Jesus' name.